0: So it's over. Eight chapters, eight episodes later, and it's over. And I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I'm I'm worried. I'm disappointed and full of joy all at the same time. Welcome back, Basement Binge listeners, to the final. Mando Mini, *The Mandalorian Season 2 Finale, Chapter 16, The Rescue. It is here. It is gone. It's all over. It is all over. And uh, I'm excited, I'm worried, and I'm having a hard time with this episode. It's uh, it's not easy coming to an end like this. I have a hard time with endings. But this one in particular is extra bittersweet. So we'll, we'll get into it here. We'll get started with a spoiler wall. Spoilers-free thoughts about the film. And like I said, I'm having a hard time with this episode. First, before I really get into the spoiler wall, I want to let you know that I did have the opportunity to go over on Matt's podcast again for the um, um, Mondays with Mando. I forgot what it was called for a second. So Matt goes to the movies. He's been on the podcast most recently on the Valerian episode, and I was over on his podcast for Chapter 14, The Tragedy, with The Mandalorian, and then we were able to get together again and record together, me, Matt, and Rob, ...for the finale, which was a ton of fun. I definitely recommend going to listen to that episode. You're going to get a lot more from me because the conversation setting is a lot easier for me to get my thoughts out about this film. Uh, So, of course, that show is listed in the, the show notes. Matt goes to the movies. Thanks again, Matt, for having me. But on to the actual spoiler wall. So, it's over. Eight chapters, eight episodes later... And it's over, and I'm thrilled, I'm excited, I'm, I'm worried, I'm disappointed, and full of joy all at the same time. It's hard, this is a hard episode to talk about without spoilers, but it pays off, and it's worth it. This is a good finale to the entire season. It, it is, finales are hard, it's hard to stick the landing, and this one, in a lot of ways, does it doesn't mean that it i i love it in fact i probably like it the least of the entire season but it sticks to the landing it, it's balanced and it's balanced well john favreau dave filoni they know what they're doing they're not overdoing it it's just right but personally i just am having a hard time with it that's another spoiler wall it's hard to say anything else without spoilers so we're going to get into the next segment two cents so this is my thoughts to the film and Goodness gracious, everybody's losing their mind about Luke. You know, I'm not even going to be have all this ambiguity around it trying to not mention it until the very end. He showed up, okay? The Jedi that we've been hypothesizing about showed up. And at the end of the episode, Luke Skywalker showed up. And whether that's good or bad, it's up to you. And there's, I feel, like an anomaly an outlier, that I am not too excited about it. And I'm just going to say that here at first because it's the biggest problem I have with the entire season, or the entire episode. During the episode, when we get to the point where they're they're locked in, the dark troopers are banging on the blast doors, and all hope is lost, and the ex wing comes flying in, I was ecstatic. I was so excited. I thought, no, it can't be Luke. And then I loved how they draw out the reveal you know allow the suspicion to stay there a little bit could it be someone else so we get the the black and white you know security camera footage so we don't know the color of the lightsaber and then of course the green lightsaber comes in but it could be someone else until we see the gloved hand and the dark cloak and a hallway saber scenes similar to vader and it was just awesome. It was amazing to see Luke as a Jedi Knight that so many individuals have wanted for so long. You know, whether you have your qualms for or against, I guess, can you have a qualm for? Whatever. Whatever your thoughts are about Luke Skywalker and the Last Jedi and the sequel trilogy, I think all fans of all Star Wars can say, this is the Luke that we love. This is the Luke that our our childhood dreams are made of. The, the super powerful Jedi. The one that we've... Imagined in all the hours of playtime, and imagination, and it was awesome to see it finally, and and to see it done well. That was an amazing fight scene. I was ecstatic. And then R two D two comes in, and that was like the cherry on top. I I was more excited about R two D two. He looked extra good. Um, yeah. Then we get some cringeworthy deepfake of uh, <laughs> Mark Hamill. And that's not the part that I have the problem with, okay? I understand that technology has its limitations. It's not horrible, but it's not good either. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. But we have a touching moment and Grogu's gone. And I don't even know where I'm going at this point. I don't have anything written down. I'm just talking. It's hard for me to accept that forever now, The Mandalorian is that much closer to the Skywalker Saga, as it's been called. One of the things that I loved about The Mandalorian, especially season one, was that it was its own show. It wasn't connected to the Skywalker Saga, it was just individuals existing in the galaxy on their own. You know, it was always the story of Din and. Grogu as we later learned that that was their story they happened to be existing in the galaxy at a time of great change and turmoil and rebellion and victory for that rebellion but they weren't part of it they were some two individuals outside of all of that and i loved it and i don't know why i didn't have the same reaction with ahsoka when ahsoka showed up i was thrilled i had no complaints it was handled perfectly her introduction was balanced enough. And I I don't want to say that this isn't balanced. And I'm going to get into that. Well, I'll talk about it now. Well, hold on. Let me finish my negatives and explanation. Luke Skywalker is just a huge character. He is a Skywalker. And so having a Skywalker show up significantly connects you to this Skywalker saga. And I'm just having a hard time accepting that. The story of the Mandalorian is forever changed by that character being there. I don't have a problem with Luke. I don't have a problem with a deep fake Mark Hamill. I don't have a problem with any of that. I loved seeing Luke. Just wish it wasn't in the Mandalorian episodes. And I think that's just the biggest thing. I've had, I, the only notes I have, I'm not, was what you heard in the spoiler wall. Nothing else is written down. Because I've, every single time I've thought, I need to go rewatch the episode. You look for binge points like I always do. And, and prepare the script like I write. I just didn't want to watch it. And it's not that the entire episode is bad. I mean, on Matt's episode, we kind of broke down the things we didn't like about it. I'm not going to do that again here because I've honestly forgotten about all those things. And I remember actually the good parts about the episode that I really liked, but then I would have to stop the episode like right before it ends. The way it ends retroactively spoils the whole thing for me. Luckily, not the whole season, but just that episode. And it's not that I think that Luke's going to take over the Mandalorian season. I don't think that at all. The story is always going to be about Din and Grogu. And I trust that it's going to stay that way. And if they were significantly invested in the character of Luke, they would have either done a better job on the defake or just genuinely recasted him. Sebastian Stan being an obvious choice, but he's probably a little bit easy with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but they they would have done something different that feels a little more permanent because let's say they do bring him back and they do choose Sebastian Stan later. It's going to be weird to have the deep fake Mark Hamill in in chapter 16 of The Mandalorian and then Sebastian Stan Luke. So, I don't know. I I, I have trust. Ultimately, it's a positive note because I have trust in Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau. They've done nothing but earn our trust throughout these entire two seasons to know how to tell a bound story. And this is what I was going to talk about earlier. Every time, when I talked about Ahsoka, this is what I was saying I would come back to. Every time a character was introduced, Boba Fett, Ahsoka, even Luke, it was all to further establish the connection between Din and Grogu. Ahsoka showed up, and I was ecstatic. I was so thrilled. But it really solidified the endearing connection between Din and we found out the name of Grogu and, and the solidity of that relationship and that connection and what it means to those two individuals. And it, allowed the, it addressed the elephant in the room, so to speak. It, it, it showed their connection and allowed their connection to be talked about in less ambiguity. And I loved that episode. It's one of my favorites of the entire series, not just this season. Even now, Luke Skywalker shows up and it's awesome. And they totally treat him the way that he deserves to be. But then it's a touching moment between Grogu and Din. That's what it goes back to. You know, the fan inside of you is focused on Luke Skywalker, but the story and the season, the episode of Mandalorian is always focused on Din and Grogu. They've handled it well and I know they will. I think one of the heart, most heartbreaking things on top of that is whether Grogu comes back or not, the season is forever. The, the story, not the season, excuse me, many seasons after, are forever changed. Their relationship is never going to be the same again. Din's going to go off and be Mandalore and deal with Bo-Katan trying to get the Darksaber from him, being a Karen that she is. And Grogu's going to become a Jedi and have to deal with Ben Solo being whining and brooding. Their stories and their experiences are completely different now. And I don't think that Disney's just going to leave... Grogu out there, just from a financial standpoint, he makes them too much money. They're not going to leave him out there when they can include him. People love Baby Yoda, even though they should call him Grogu. So it's just, it's, it's hard to accept that it's over because I've loved this season. And I think that knowing that it's ending and having to accept that when it continues, it's going to be so different. Because it's not Din and Grogu anymore. It's not father-son time. And it is more connected to the Skywalker saga. And having to accept that is just, I'm having a hard time with. And it, what a silly thing to have a hard time with. Like, First World Problems, you know, it's a TV show. Get over it. I've just learned to really care about Din and Grogu. And having to accept that their story is different now. Which is not the easiest thing for me. Which Really, credit to the well-made storytelling of the entire two seasons that's made me fall in love with their relationship so much and wanted to see more of that. So that was a really long two cents. They're really scattered brained. Um, this is going to be a very, very mini Mando mini because I don't have much to say beyond that because I've only watched it once and normally I watch the episodes like two or three times for these episodes to write something. And like I said, I have no notes, so I'm just rambling at this point. But let's move on to bench Points, okay? <laughs> It's hard to talk about. Okay, I there's there's not many major points, so let me just mention the few. Boba Fett was wasted. His ship is awesome. Slave One's op- awesome, and he helps them, and then goes to hyperspace and he's gone. He'll he's back at the end, and it was a weird change. I didn't like how earlier. In the previous episode, just two episodes ago, it set up a Boba Fett who seems changed. Whether that was from being in the Sarlacc Sarlacc Pit for who knows how long, or struggling on Tatooine, something seemed different about Boba Fett. He was still a simple man trying to make his way in the galaxy, but he didn't seem as bounty hunter-ish as much. He seemed a little bit more loyal, even though he didn't give his creed to anyone. And I thought that the relationship between Din and Boba was great loyalty to one another. And I love to see the two of them parading around in their sweet armor. And then he was just gone, and he goes back to Hut on 1020. He's like, it's mine now, boys. It, it just, I felt cheated by that. I'm excited for the Book of Fett. Uh, let me say this, everything, every complaint that I have, it's just, I, I think, also because of how invested I've been in the outcome of this season. Never before have I published any type of content about an episode while it's, about an episodic tale while it's happening. Never before have I been trying to predict and analyze and hypothesize what's going to happen. And that you, watching a TV show or a movie is very different when you're just watching it to enjoy because you love it versus for a podcast and knowing that you're going to be talking about it. And I'm not complaining. It's just, it seriously changes the way that you think about things and the investment that you have in it is different. Not that you don't have an investment the other way, but it's a different type of investment. I think that partially changed it because I had my expectations going into the season finale. And I, it's just a new viewing experience I'm going to get, have to get used to to be able to take the good with the bad, having my expectations subverted, so to speak. But all, all of that mumbo jumbo being said, I trust Dave and John. They know what they're doing. They know how to balance a story. They know how to tell a story that I deeply, deeply care about to the point where I'm having such a hard time with a season finale. I trust them. So, yeah, other bench points. I loved the little moment with the female, like power moment between all the Warriors. They were, that was great. You know, it didn't feel cheap. It wasn't like, you know, say what you will about Avengers Endgame, that moment where all the female superheroes superheroes come together, it was obvious, it was like it didn't it was it was that moment it was intended to be that way and it felt forced. It's not that I have a problem with women being powerful and having their moment. They definitely deserve that, but in Avengers Endgame it just felt forced where here, I didn't even notice that that was happening until the very end and I thought about it and I just thought how epic that scene was, you know, even with the jam gun and how it just they were being just boss warriors. And so I wasn't worried about anybody's gender in that posse. I was just watching them be a boss. And that was satisfying. And then after a fact, I thought about it. I was like, that was awesome that they were all female. So again, it it wasn't shoehorned in there, which I thought was great. The other thing is I love the subverted expectations with the dark troopers. You know, they spent the whole season episodes building up their threat level, and they genuinely were threatening. I you see a stormtrooper. And you, I'm not afraid. Like, when does a stormtrooper ever hit somebody? Never. You know, stormtroopers just cannon fodder. It's the dark troopers don't feel that way. When they have a presence, when they're showing up with the sweet track that they have, their score is one of the coolest. It's so fun. But anyway, they show up and, and they're threatening. They're intimidating. I genuinely don't know how they're going to win, especially the fight that one of them has with Mando is just intense, you know, and he's got like his flamethrower going up through him and he just turns and looks at him and it's just threatening and menacing. Uh, but anyway, so they've spent like this whole season, including that fight scene, building up their threat level and then they just get blasted out through an airlock like it just felt a little bit cheap. I was like, that's it? You know, the entire season to get blasted out in an airlock and then they came back and it was just great storytelling, you know, set up and payoff in a way that I didn't see coming. And, of course, getting them ready to be cannon fodder for an epic Jedi Knight was sweet storytelling. That was awesome. The fight scene between Mando and Moff Gideon, we got the fight scene between the Beskar Pike and the Darksaber, and it was better than I ever could have imagined. I thought that Moff Gideon um, was one of the best villains in any series I've ever seen. He, He was menacing, but he also wasn't stupid. He, he understood the threats he was up against, and so he played intelligently against them. I wish that he would have been in the season a little bit more. It felt more like an overarching villain instead of just, oh, you know, while Mando's off on this random planet, let's remind you about something else that's happening on this cruiser. Okay, back to the planet. But every scene that he was in, he just soaked up. I, The actor, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's great. He, he soaked up everything that he was in. And that fight scene between him and Mando with the Darksaber was sweet. When Mando won the Darksaber, that was sweet and kept him alive. I loved how Mando was willing to like break his truce with Bo-Katan about the Darksaber and let him keep it so he could just have Boba or just have Grogu. That was sweet. I think those are all the binge points I have. Very, very simple things. Uh, I already mentioned R2 showing up and how that was the best thing ever. Oh, I thought it was great this moment when... Moff Gideon, you know, is explaining the intricacies, the semantics of the Darksaber and why that's a big deal that Mando or Din has it and that he bested Moff Gideon in battle and won it. And Bo-Katan, how you know, ticked off she is. And the blocking, the framing, the composition as Mando is below her. She's above him with, with an evil look in her eye. And he he's, has an open palm... With the dark saber, and he says, Just take it. I yield. And when he said, I yield, I thought that was great comedy. Uh, you know, great physical comedy, especially with the open palm. But beyond that, just great blocking. That was a great frame for storytelling. And I love that. Just wanted to point it out because I thought it was so great. But that's all the bench points. You know, I'm sure I would have more if I rejoiced this episode. But like I said earlier, I haven't. So let's get on to the very last segment, the very last. Mandalorian hypothesized with Harrison. What's going to happen? Well, well, first, we got an announcement that we're going to have the Book of Boba. Boba Fett, I guess is the full name. Coming out the same time as Mandalorian Season 3. So don't get them confused. They are two separate shows. Mandalorian Season 3 is coming December 2021. And the Book of Boba Fett is coming December 2021. Two different things. So now I have four shows that are happening at the time of the Mandalorian. Mandalorian Season 3, the Book of Boba Fett. Ahsoka, and Star Wars Rebels, or (laughs) Star Wars Rebels, uh, Rangers of the New Republic. And Kathleen Kennedy, when she was introducing them, said that they were going to culminate in a climactic story event. So obviously, they're building to something. And Matt pointed this out. It's going to be similar to the CW episodes, like Arrow and Flash and Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow and all those things, and how they lead up to the big crossover event. I imagine it's going to be something like that, and I'm excited for that. And I love that Jon Favreau and Filoni are so involved because they're going to keep the balance well. And this is one of the things, especially in Matt's episode that we just talked about, all the complaints we have, one of the biggest ones, is that it felt extremely uncharacteristic of Bo-Katan to not accept the Darksaber. Because if you don't know this, in Rebels, Sabine, who was the rightful holder of the Darksaber, so to speak, had it, and she felt that Bo-Katan should lead Mandalore. So she gave her the Darksaber, and bo gladly accepted it and became Mandalore. Clearly, there's something between then and now where Moff Gideon ends up with it, and I think that that's something that's, that Moff Gideon knows about Bo-Katan that uh, we don't. But a lot of people are saying, you know, it's uncharacteristic. You know, why would she suddenly not accept it now? And I think that there's that history that we don't know between the moment where we see her have it and the moment Moff Gideon has it. He ended up with it somehow. And he knows the details of it. And he seems so thrilled to be able to spell it out to Mando and why it was a problem for Bo-Katan. So, I'm excited. I trust them that that is going to be a significant part of the story going forward. So, other hypothesis. What's season three going to look like? What are we hoping for? What am I hoping for? What things are kind of set, you know, to happen? Of course, some training with Grogu and Luke. If I remember right, it's still about four or five years from the time that Ben Solo shows up. If I remember right. So what type of training is happening? Does Luke have an academy yet that Ben Solo is just not a part of? Is Grogu the reason that he starts the academy? I really hope that we do get to see Grogu become the second ever Mandalorian Jedi and he gets the Darksaber. That would be sweet. You know, a little, whatever that's, Yoda species is called in Beskar armor with a darksaber. Obviously he's gonna to have to grow a lot. And Yoda, as we've seen, he used a Shanto blade. I think that's what's called Shanto. A shorter blade. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say my term so confidently if I'm not sure. But he used a shorter blade. The dark saber, it looks like an extra long, not extra long, but it looks longer. So it'd be kind of funny, but you know, that'd be sweet to see. You know, little baby Grogu well, he wouldn't be a baby anymore, but Grogu with some Best Beskar of the Dark saber that'd be sweet, Me- leading Mandalore. What I do think is going to happen, though, for season three, in all honesty, is a big focus is going to be on the- another siege of Mandalore. Bo-Katan, Mando, maybe get, you know, Boba the Hutt, or whatever he's going to be called, involved, and there's something going to be involving Mandalore and the Darksaber. Obviously, that's going to be a big part of it. I think Moff Gideon is going to be huge in the next few seasons. I... And I think that Grad Animal Thrawn is going to be the big baddie. And maybe he's going to be the big baddie that causes the crossover. But I hope that it doesn't overshadow anything. Again, I, I really trust Dave Filoni and John Favreau. They're involved in all of these things. You know, Dave Filoni was involved in the story where Sabine gave Bo-Katan the Darksaber in the first place. So obviously he knows what's going on now. He's not clueless to that part of the Star Wars story. So it's going to be an interesting story to tell. But other than that, that's the end of the Mando minis, and that was a very scattered brain one. But before we end it, I just wanted to do a quick season recap. This has been so fun. On, on top of just continuing being a constant source of content to put out in the busiest time of the year for me, it was also something that I deeply looked forward to, and allowed me to draw out that joy of The Mandalorian a little bit more. Like I said, it was the busiest season for me. And in that busyness of incredible amounts of overtime, it can be hard to find those moments of, you know, calmness, lack of stress. And The Mandalorian was something that i looked forward to. It signified the end of a week, even though I worked weekends, like, like it signified a point of ending, a point of something continuing on, getting that much closer to the finish line and being able to do the podcast, especially being able to go on with Matt's episode, allowed that joy to be drawn out a little bit more and helped me survive a little bit longer. So thank you for the incredible support that the Mando mini, you know, the mini series has had here on The Basement Binge. I did not expect it to get this big of a response, but it, it got, that and how's Moving Castle which was sleeping for a while and now it's blown up. So thanks everybody for downloading that if you're listening to this episode as well. But the Mandalorian episodes consistently just brought more and more people. And so if you found the basement binge because of the Mandalorian and now that it's over, please don't go away. There's so much more content coming. There's things that I'm excited about. I think I've overworked myself a little bit, especially the end of the year. So I'm going to try and take it easy a little bit. But there are so many exciting things that I have planned and that I want to talk about. So stay subscribed. If you're not subscribed, subscribe to The Basement Binge because there's a lot coming. But on to the actual season of The Mandalorian, season two, chapters 19 through 16. And it's just dawned on on me now as I was talking that they're probably called chapters to not be confused with like episodes one through nine as in the Skywalker saga. That's kind of genius, actually. But anyway, on to the, the actual season recap here, okay? Low point, high point. Lowest point, sorry, is Luke. That, this is so hard to say. He was involved in the best way he could be involved. And seeing him be the Jedi Knight that we've dreamed of was exciting. It was awesome. And I love it. And I'm so glad that that's a thing that I can enjoy now. But the consequences of him being involved is the low point. The high point, without a doubt, is the three episodes. Chapter 11, chapter 12, and chapter 13. The Heiress, the Siege, and the Jedi. Those three episodes are the high point of Mandalorian for me. Of course, the episode with Bo-Katan, I think, is one of my favorites. You know, directed by Bryce Dallas Howards. I thought it looks beautiful. I thought the iconography was incredible. I thought the lighting was amazing. I thought... The characters were incredible. I thought what it did for the story of Din and and Mandalorians and what it meant to be a part of the watch and and how it it muddied the waters a little bit was amazing. And then, of course, the siege was an amazing episode about planet hopping. We got an epic dogfight, one of the best in Star Wars. We get a ton of exciting, exciting connections about cloning. And then, of course, the Jedi... Where the beloved Ahsoka shows up. And that was just the high point of Star Wars for me. Favorite and least favorite side characters? That's hard to say. If you can't guess, already my favorite side character introduced is without a doubt Ahsoka Tano. She's not really a side character though, because she's already a character. Hmm. If I had to pick someone else besides her, easy choice. Mayfield, actually. He was awesome. I wish we had more of him. He was hilarious. He was great. And yeah, he was fun. Least favorite, it's going to be cop Vanth, just because we should get more of it. <laughs> Default, nobody. I don't know. I, I didn't really have a least favorite. I don't have a problem with seeing one of them. So, yeah, that's uh, it's over. I, I want to keep talking, but there's nothing else to say. The season is over. Okay? It's happened. It's come and went. We're done for an entire year. We've got to wait for another Star Wars episode. But in the meantime, we will have WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, potentially Loki. There's a lot of great things happening. Uh, Cobra Kai Season 3 on Netflix. Not saying that I'm going to be able to cover all those things because time is a serious thing. But I'm excited about it. There's, there's good content out there to enjoy that it seems like before we know it, we're going to be getting a trailer, trailer for Season 3 of The Mandalorian. Which is exciting. So, of course, thank you for listening to the first ever episodic mini series on the Basement Binge. And thank you for the huge support. Thank you for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. If you're new here, stay subscribed for all the exciting things happening. But this is Harrison signing off on the last Mando Mini of Season 2. That's all for now. Ciao, ciao.